listening however you are listening i want to welcome you back my name is grayson man this is the mwp also known as your man with the plan podcast episode 19 19 wow this is kind of crazy we're almost to 20 episodes of this podcast as always and as we always start this podcast i want to thank you guys for the incredible support we are on spotify apple podcasts breaker radio public YouTube, and so much more. Whether you're listening, however you're listening, I would like and very much appreciate a follow, subscription, or a five-star review to help support this podcast. Today we're going to talk about Dak Prescott. I literally just found out about this. He signed his four-year, $160 million deal. He is inked to be the Cowboys franchise QB for years to come. We're going to talk about the NBA All-Star Game and the stuff that the NFL really can't get right. We're going to also talk about Deshaun Watson versus Russell Wilson. The whole mess that has become the QBs, the demanding of the trades, who, what, where, why, how. And then we're going to finally talk about Belichick, why he really needs this offseason. And we're going to talk about the man with a plan, March Madness Bracket Challenge. That's at the end, and I'm very excited for that. So let's get into Dak Prescott. Ooh, Dak Prescott gets his money. Dak Prescott has inked a four-year, $160 million deal. That'll secure him to be the Cowboys quarterback for a long time. Both sides are getting what they want. Dak gets his money, and the Cowboys get their guy. The whole issue with quarterbacks getting contract money now is you see it with Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, which kind of are the reasons that this Dak Prescott deal took so long. I feel like we've been talking about Dak Prescott in a new contract since 2016, since he was drafted. It's ridiculous. Because Jared Goff made, I think, about the same amount of money Carson Wentz made, I think, $30 $30 million a year? You could check me on that. And both of those experiments have proved to be unsuccessful for the Rams as they shipped Jared Goff off for Matt Stafford. And now Indianapolis has Carson Wentz. And Eagles are trying to figure out who they are again. So it's always a risk to sign your quarterback to a long-term deal, especially when there's uncertainty around the team. The Cowboys missed the playoffs last year. Who are they going to re-sign? Do they have the salary cap to extend some of these players, these talented players that they have on the roster? I'm not a big Cowboys person, and I know I have a lot of Cowboys fans that listen to the show, especially Addison Benatelli and Nick Reed, if you're listening. Congratulations, you got your guy. Dak Prescott is one of the better quarterbacks in the league, so it's nice to have some some safety, a safety little blanket for you. So I think that, I don't think Dallas is also Houston, where Houston is kind of like, let's give DeAndre Hopkins away for a bag of Cheetos, and let's see what Deshaun Watson says about that. And Deshaun Watson was pissed. So he's out, and Russell Wilson, also won a mega deal, is pissed, and he wants out. So we're going to talk about that later. But the whole thing with Dak Prescott is he goes down in October. The Cowboys are kind of iffy. They're 2-2. Two and two. But Dak Prescott was having the, one of the better starts in his career, and you could probably project that the Cowboys would have gone like 8-8 eight and eight or something. Their defense was very suspect, but Prescott would have kept them in a lot of games that they lost this year, and they probably would have won the division without trying. So there's Dak Prescott's leverage, and we talked about that in the last episode. Nick Reed actually asked a question about Dak Prescott, who had the more leverage, and now, Nick, you get your wish. I think I was reading our group chat. It was blowing up as I found out the news that they were crying tears of joy. I don't know if they actually were, but I, if I was a Cowboys fan, I'd be excited to have my quarterback locked up for this long. 
it's exciting. And I think Dak Prescott's going to benefit from being the Cowboys quarterback and making a buttload of money. It's the highest signing bonus in NFL history. It's $66 million. He's earning a lot of it up front, so that's going to be really beneficial for him. And it's going to be beneficial for Dallas because that front-loaded contract, everything's coming up up front, and they can start to restructure things behind the scenes when the salary cap eventually increases as they get some of that revenue back that they lost during the 2020 NFL season. So the Dak Prescott contract saga is finally over, and Cowboys fans can rest knowing they got their guy and a path towards a division title for at least four more years to come. All right, I really want to talk about the NBA All-Star Game. You're going to go, whoa, 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 this is not a basketball podcast. Well, I'm going to dip my toes in the basketball pool, and we're going to talk about the NBA All-Star Game and the whole event that it was. The thing with the NFL is is that they really never got the All-Star. I'm going to put up air quotes because you can't really see me doing that. NFL All-Star Game, the NFL Pro Bowl, the Skills Challenge, the three-point contest, the... I don't even, I don't even remember. I, the Pro Bowl is so, un, like, it's just so forgettable that I can't remember half the challenges they do. I think it's like a passing skills thing. Dodgeball? I think they do dodgeball. Yeah, they do dodgeball. I've watched it a couple times. And the thing the NFL can never do right is make an entertaining all-star game, mainly because I think their placement's off, but I don't think they have a choice because there's not, like, a break because there's not as many games as the NBA, so they can't make a week off so these players can kind of just go to a random city and enjoy like the talent, the skill that they possess. And so what the NBA does so well is that they find the like, like literally anybody can do anything. They can put Chris Paul in the dunk contest or Zion in the skills challenge. They had like two big men in the finals of the skills contest and you can see them dribble around the cones and they're kind of like shrugging along and it's really funny to watch. And then you go to the three-point contest, Steph Curry's back and Steph Curry's one of the best shooters of all time. So once he got out there, it's kind of like Larry Bird, he's like, "All right, Someone, one of the announcers goes, who's shooting for second? And so Curry goes like 31 points, and then he hits like a buzzer beater, quote-unquote, to win the, the three-point contest, and you're like, yeah, that's Steph Curry. And then the All-Star game happens. It's just so much fun to be able to see these guys kind of goof off and be able to do these like special shots and dunks. I think they started competing at the end of the second quarter for half like court shots. I think it was Curry and Damian Lillard. And I think Damian Lillard, Lillard ended up winning but there's also just so many memorable moments. You got Giannis shooting threes, and he's going nuts over it. You got Steph Curry. He lost the ball, and I was thinking in my head, he's going to pull from the logo. He pulled from the logo, and he drilled it. I was like, wow, all right. this is, It's a better league when Steph Curry's playing. He's so likable as a player, and he's so relatable. I feel like a lot of people like, I guess like me, I'm like 5'9". I'm not really this hulking figure, but I can go out and shoot a basketball. I'm like, yeah, I could be like Curry. Not like as good as Curry, but yeah, I could have like, emulate his game I could just go behind the line and shoot a bunch of threes and hope they make it and if they do I'm like oh I could do this for a living yeah obviously not but it makes me feel pretty good knowing that someone's not like the face of the league one of the better players in the league is not some hulking figure it's like anybody could be a basketball player if you put enough work into it is what I'm trying to say so I think the NFL they've always had this problem they're trying to make this pro bowl and the NBA is always great at having these great ideas and trying them and going, hey, we're going to put this idea out, hence the NBA bubble, hence what they did over quarantine and the whole COVID situation. They were able to make a full playoffs out of it in Disney World, which was very entertaining, and it kind of created a March Madness-like atmosphere, which I love March Madness. I am a sucker for it. Like, tournaments and brackets, I, I want to make, like, six or seven. It's so much fun. I'm insane for it, and I make 
different champions, and I do what if this happened, and I get so invested into it, it's just so much fun to watch. And for the bubble, it was kind of like anybody could beat anybody, and and LeBron's team ended up winning, which was like the expected thing, but they struggled a little bit on the way. They had some teams challenge them because they're all in the same environment. They're all in the same place. There's no home crowd. There's no, like, we have this distinct advantage because you're coming to L.A. from all the way from Philadelphia or something like that. It made it feel more like the stakes were higher and there were things that could really just go wrong. Like, the Mavericks had a little run there. Luka Doncic was insane. Those game-winning shots, like, it was all contained. I like that when it's all contained and, like, all the teams are kind of on an even battleground. It's really fun to watch. That's really just the energy of what I love about the NBA and the All-Star Game. March is the basketball month, and I'm so excited to be able to watch March Madness this year with my roommates, go home for spring break, watch with my parents. Clemson is in March Madness again, and that'll be fun. That'll be fun to see the uh, college my freshman year try to get the tournament, try to get the championship, so that'll be fun. All right, let's talk about Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. Oh, I feel like every other day there's a new rumor that's like, Breaking, water is wet, breaking, Russell Wilson's pissed, and you're like, oh, really? Breaking, Seattle management is mad at Russell Wilson. I was listening to the Colin Cowherd this morning, the podcast, on my way to get my COVID-19 test, and they said that the season ticket management left Russell Wilson's name out of the thank you note. I was like, oh, so they're actually kind of being petty. So I decided, I was like, you know what, I want to kind of do a comparison. What, What is going on with Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson as a whole? And it's kind of funny, when I was doing my little note-taking, I was writing stuff down to kind of reference, management is mad at Russell Wilson. I mean, Russell Wilson's probably a little upset, but it's kind of an inverse. Management wants Deshaun Watson back, and management wants Russell Wilson to go away. And I have seen the trading spots, the landing preferred destination, location, all this stuff. And I would really love to see Russell Wilson on the Chicago Bears, not because They've been this struggling franchise that can't find the QB. They had Trubisky go on this run for a year. But I feel like they'd be such a fun team to watch if their offense could match the championship level that their defense is. They would have beat the Saints in the wild card this year if they had Russell Wilson on that team. Can you imagine? I mean, the Bears and the Saints were 7-3 at halftime with a drop touchdown pass to Pond Wims. Oh, poor guy. And... I think they probably would have made a run at the Super Bowl. They probably would have had they probably would have been playing in Chicago. Let's start that off. I think it would be so exciting because you'd have Allen Robinson, Russell Wilson, you'd have Matt Nagy try to be able to prove himself and revitalize a Chicago identity that's always been if we score ten points and win, I'm happy. It's kind of like a they kind of grind it out, they get it going. I mean, they were kind of entertaining to watch with Jay Cutler, where they were kind of a wild card, and Jay Cutler was always a personality, but Seeing Russell Wilson on Chicago would be kind of just, it would shake up the league. It'd be insane because I think Seattle would just go down to the dumps. They'd be a terrible team because I think Russell Wilson makes the team that it is. He put he literally puts them on their back and he's like, all right, I can do this. And when things start to fall apart and Russell Wilson starts to play a little bad, you see what happens. And not to say that Seattle doesn't have pieces. They got Metcalf. They got a great running group, Carlos Hyde, Chris Carson. I think McKissick is somewhat in that mix, but I'm not entirely sure if he's on the roster still. They got Jamal Adams on the other side. You want to say Blitz Boy or the whole meme, but he's still a pretty good player. He makes a lot of good hits, a lot of good tackles. <laughs> You're going to say, oh, but he didn't say anything about pass coverage. Well, I I can I can see where his faults in his game are. He's not very good at like recognizing coverage. I mean, he was paired up against Stefan Diggs, and he torched him. They blew out Seattle. It was ridiculous. 
I think Seattle still ended up scoring 30 points because Russell Wilson's that good, but Buffalo was like 45, and the game was out of reach. And Russell Wilson had to make some game. He had tried to like put them back in the game, and he threw some interceptions, so you kind of see where that happens. And then you flip the script, and you talk about Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans, and you're like, oh, that was a rough year. <laughs> they trade away Deshaun Watson's favorite target, and you're kind of sitting there like, Brandon Cooks, sure, that could work. Terrible offensive line, maybe Watson can make it work. Below average defense, Watson maybe could carry them like six games, seven games. Four and 12, yeah, that sounds about right with an interim head coach. Bill O'Brien's a mess. They kind of did this thing where they started 0-3, and, and they have this trend of starting slow, and you're like, all right, Deshaun will figure it out. They'll pick it up. And a lot of these games weren't really Deshaun's fault. They were putting up like 30 points a game. Their defense was abysmal. And if they could get some picks in the draft, which I think they might have to trade Deshaun Watson, not because they have to, but because they need to. Because I think for Houston, if they could get three like picks back, let's say they trade him to Carolina, which I would love to see Deshaun Watson in Carolina, him close to home, close to where he was... He made his legend, which is Clemson, which is ironic. I was thinking about this in the car. If you're a Georgia football fan, two of the greatest college football quarterbacks of all time and two of the greatest, the greatest Clemson quarterbacks of all time literally were in Georgia's backyard and they didn't get them. I want to do a Kirby Smart topic about why he's on thin ice. I was thinking about this on the road. I really want to talk about Georgia football, so stay tuned for that. That might be the next episode. You know, it's going to be next episode. We're going to have a Kirby Smart topic. I really want to talk about him. But I sidetrack and having Deshaun Watson on the Texans, or he's on the Texans, Grayson, come on. Deshaun Watson on the Panthers would be so much fun to watch because you get Christian McCaffrey. I don't think a Christian McCaffrey would make sense. I think you, if you're Carolina, just give Houston every draft pick they want because I think that you could grow the players you got last year. You spent last year's draft getting defensive players and building that roster you're going to have some growing pains, but Deshaun Watson on a competent roster with Matt Rule and Joe Brady, that would be a very interesting pairing in a division that's really only faced with Tom Brady because the Falcons, you don't know what they're going to be with Arthur Smith. The Breeze-Saints thing, I think Drew Brees is going to retire. I think it's all just blowing smoke and just a bunch of garbage with him working out. I think he's just bored, and he's going to work out anyways. I don't think you have to make anything of it. He's still going to get his trainer around to keep him in shape. I think anyone, when you do that for 20 years, you kind of are in a routine. So I think that's how it's going to work out. Deshaun Watson to the Panthers, and Chicago gets Russell Wilson. All right, when we return, we're going to talk about why Bill Belichick needs this offseason to work. And we're going to announce the man with the plan, March Madness Bracket Contest. This is Grayson Man. We'll be right Alright, and we are back. This is the Man With Plan podcast, episode 19. We got Bill Belichick. We're going to talk about him. And we got a March Madness announcement, so let's get right into it. I'm going to start you guys off with a little story. It's March of 2020. We've just entered this strange new world, quarantine. It stinks. We're sitting on our couches. We're sitting at home. We're bored. And then the phone rings. ESPN tells you Tom Brady is signing no longer with the New England Patriots. He will make a free agency run and test the waters, see which team wants him. If you're a Patriots fan, you're depressed. If you're the rest of the NFL, you're celebrating. The dynasty is finally coming to a crumble. And then you start to talk. 
Tampa Bay is in the rumors. They're in the front runner seat to get Tom Brady, and they eventually land the GOAT, the all-time QB. And so you start to have a debate. Bill Belichick versus Tom Brady. Who made who as they go through the Tom Brady documentaries and all the celebration, the championships that they won together? Who's going to come out of this on top? Who's going to win the divorce? Tom Brady or Bill Belichick? Some would say Brady's going to take the weapons to heights that Tampa Bay's never seen. He's going to break Peyton Manning's passing touchdown record. You're going to say Belichick's the mastermind behind all of this. The age will catch up Tom Brady and Belichick will form a roster that is unbeatable and resemble the Patriots dynasty of old. So you wait for six months for the season to start and you see that Cam Newton, a former MVP, a different kind of player has joined the New England Patriots. Are the Patriots going to be fun now? Are the Patriots going to be a different team that runs the football that's aggressive? That goes for these stars, you want to say? So you start with week one. And Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. The experiment does not go off to a good start. While New England is celebrating the New England's kind of style victory they like to see. Good, hard-nosed football, defense, turnovers. Cam Newton was efficient when he needed to be. And New England was 1-0, looking very promising. And you start to go into the first four games of the season. They look relatively even. Brady and Bucks are having growing pains. Cam Newton is recovering from COVID. And then the difference starts to go down. The split happens. The Patriots lose three straight games, go two and five. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers win three straight games, go five and two. The Patriots start to find it together. Cam Newton starts getting a little bit of the rhythm, and the Patriots end up going six and six, and the Buccaneers are seven and five. The difference has been more or less caught up to. And the Bucs then go on a playoff run like no one's ever seen before, winning three straight road games, beating Tom, I say beating Tom Brady, beating Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, and then beating Patrick Mahomes to win the Super Bowl, all while... Patriots finish 7-9 and and are watching it in horror as their quarterback wins a Super Bowl with relative ease. So Belichick really needs this offseason to go well, and I really wanted to talk about this as I saw that Jimmy Garoppolo is the Patriots frontrunner for a quarterback. How they make that work, why that would work, I think Garoppolo's a winner. I think when he's healthy, 22-9 as a starter, makes good decisions with the football. I think he's the perfect quarterback for the Patriots. He knows the system. Belichick initially wanted Garoppolo to be the guy to take over Tom Brady, but Tom Brady was able to beat Father Time and Belichick's wizards along with that, making a tense last couple years as the Patriots quarterback. So let's say that Belichick gets what he wants. He gets Garoppolo. Relatively cheap, considering the quarterbacks that are being signed for what they are being signed now. $40 million, $500 million. There's a lot of dice on the table, and Belichick's picking up the right one. I think that Belichick, in order for the Patriots to be back, he needs to build what they've lost before. I think that they need to replicate what they had in their first three Super Bowls. They need to have a decent QB, and Tom Brady at that time wasn't the GOAT, so it's it's okay to say. They need a top 10 defense. They're going to get some of those opt-outs back. Marcus Cannon, their stud right tackle. Dante Hightower, their leader at linebacker that was the core for their last couple Super Bowls. That made the tackle that eventually led to the Malcolm Butler interception. You get Patrick Chung a veteran safety presence and a couple of signees that they wish would have been there to help Cam Newton out. What do you do with Cam Newton? Do you re-sign him? Do you bring him back? I think the obvious answer is to let him go. The experiment didn't work out. You gave Cam Newton the showcase he needed, and now he's going to go try to earn some money and a new starting job. I think Belichick needs this offseason to be able to prove that he is not 
the lackey in this divorce. He needs to be able to prove that he's still the coach that everyone thinks he is. And you're going to say, after one season, Grayson, are you overreacting just a little bit? To which I say, absolutely not. This is the NFL media we're talking about here. You lose a couple games and things get a little vicious. With a lot of new pieces going into the league, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, New England won't necessarily need to acquire those, but they're going to have to make some moves. With the lot of salary cap they have, there are no excuses. There is no, oh, there was a COVID year, there was no training camp to help out Belichick. There's a full offseason this year. There's a full free agency period this year. Teams can visit. Teams can make moves without the fear of there not being a season. The NFL is going into full swing in 2021. We're all excited for it. But Belichick needs this the most. This is the time for him to not be the conservative mastermind that he is. He needs to go all in and be aggressive because the New England Patriots and his legacy count on it. For Belichick to be able to bring New England back into the playoffs without the poster boy that it was Tom Brady for them, that is the key. And we'll see how that plays out as they have the third most salary cap in $63 million. We're going to see how it all fits as the puzzle pieces of the NFL offseason are beginning to form with the Dak Prescott signing. The dominoes are falling. I can't wait to cover it. So as we end the show, I have a fun announcement to make, and I'm sure you guys are going to love it. I gave it a little bit of a hint when I started to talk about why I love March Madness. It is so much fun. The energy, the unpredictable games. You really can't make a surefire guess in March Madness. So what I'm doing, anyone who watches this video will see a link in the description. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're watching it, there will be a link to join a podcast bracket contest. And over the time, we're going to track this as March Madness begins. And the winner of the contest gets to come on the show and talk about a segment of their choice and debate it. Or they can explain stuff to me and we'll do whatever you want. But the, the gist is, you get to be on the show. And we'll work it out from there. But that's the key. So, as this video comes to a close, click the link in the description below and join the Man with the Plan Bracket Contest Challenge. I am so excited. As always, thank you so much for the support on this podcast. It has been a thrill to come back each day and see what you guys think, what you guys are listening to, where you're listening to. It's so humbling, so fantastic. My name is Grayson Mann. This is the Man with a Plan podcast. This is episode 19. Thank you guys so much. Have a fantastic day. And as always, take care. Thank you.